This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Great to be here today. I want to say thank you to all the guys who've worked on this series. There's been people work on this series who didn't even get up here and, and give a sermon. And so it's been a collective effort of all the guys and and I have a great appreciation for their effort in that. Uh, I think I will speak longer than Jace did. And I might set the record. I don't know. But uh, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a very important subject. And it's one that I honestly probably shied away from in some ways over the years just because it seemed like something so challenging to grasp. <clears throat> Garland said the Spirit's not a dove, and I think that's true. The Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, and I'm trying to think of a symbol that denotes the Spirit, and so I settled on a dove. And I do not believe the Spirit is a dove, so there's you a little disclaimer to begin with. God is a Spirit. John chapter 4 teaches us that. In the book of Hebrews, it says that God is the Father of Spirits. And so God is a being that is a Spirit, and dealing with him is spiritual. We are fleshly and we are physical. And so this creates challenges for us in our mind. Another thing about spirit, the spirit or the word spirit, is there's literally 138 occurrences within the Bible where it says the spirit of, you name it. From God to Jesus to wisdom to slumber and on and on and on. And so the word spirit's almost like the word stuff. Look at this stuff. Where'd you get that stuff? I'm dealing with all this stuff. And, and it's just used in a variety of ways. And so I think that's one reason that the, the word spirit is a challenging word in some ways. I want to begin in Luke chapter 8, a couple of verses. It came to pass afterward that he went, this is Jesus, throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary Magdalene, or Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Jesus was healing people of evil spirits. They had evil spirits within them. And so I would submit to you today that more than one spirit can dwell in you at the same time. Now, this is something I had never thought about until a couple of years ago in doing some studies. More than one spirit can dwell in you at the same time. And if you really think about it in the, the occurrence in Mark 5, Legion said we are many. It's the nature of how a spirit is or how the spirit works. So I'm going to begin our study with the spirit of physical life. The spirit of physical life. And like I said, some of the terminology is challenging in some ways, but I think this is a good place to begin. The book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The new King James says he became a living being. So this is the gift, we might say, of physical life. God created Adam. He formed him from clay, 
from the dust of the ground. And so I want to ask you a question. Once God has formed Adam and he's laying there, but yet he's not breathed into him the breath of life, was he alive? No. We, we would just say he's a carcass. He's laying there. There's no life in him. God's formed him and he's made him. But he can't get up and move. He can't walk. He can't think. He can't make any decisions. He's not alive. And then God breathes on him the breath of life. And what God did was give him the spirit of life. He gave him a spirit. And Adam becomes a living soul. A living being. And this is the first spirit that we need to realize dwells within us. A spirit of life. And I believe personally that we all get this spirit at conception. I believe that's when that's given to us. Adam was a little different because Adam wasn't conceived. God breathed into him and gave him that spirit. And he became alive. And he walks and talks and does what he does. In the book of James, chapter 2, verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so there seems to be a lot of parallels. And if you understand a parallel, it's two things that go the same way and do the same thing. The body without the spirit is dead. So the body with the spirit makes man a living soul or a living being. The spirit in this, in this sense is it's used as pneuma from which we get the word pneumatic or pneumonia. And God breathed into him. That was spirit. God gave man spirit. Man became a living being. Body without the spirit is dead. And that's what happens when we die. And this is the spirit of physical life. And it's the first spirit that's within us. The spirit of God hath made me. And the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. This is Job chapter 33 verse 4. Now this is not Job speaking, it's one of his friends. But it's interesting that the knowledge and understanding back then was, should be the same as the knowledge and understanding today. God formed us, we were concepted in the womb, and he gives us spirit, and therefore we are alive. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 19, That which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. One thing befalleth them, as one dies, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. It's the spirit of life. So that a man hath no preeminence above a beast for all his vanity. All go into one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward into the earth? God has given you the spirit of life, you're a living being and you are rational and you make decisions, you do what you do. And when we die, when our body and our spirit separate, the spirit goes back under God's control. While you're alive, it's under your control. The animals have a spirit of life in them or they wouldn't be alive. When they die, their spirit dies just like their body. Their spirit just goes away. It's my understanding. <clears throat> so man becomes a living soul. He walks about and he does what he does. At some point, through age, through accident, through disease, through whatever, the body and the spirit separate, and this is when man dies. He just dies. And that flesh goes back to the dust of the ground, and typically what we do is we, we bury them in the ground. 
And we all understand that because that's life. And so the first spirit is the spirit of life that's within us. Spirit of physical life. The second spirit I want to talk about is a spirit of spiritual life. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. This doesn't have necessarily anything to do with our physical life. This is a whole other realm of life in which one can be alive or dead. You can be spiritually alive or spiritually dead. Can't be both. You're one or the other. Another passage, Colossians 2.13, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together. The word quickened means to make alive with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So life, spiritual life, has to do with whether or not you or I are in sin. And if you're living in sin, then you're dead. That's spiritual death. If you're not living in sin, there's spiritual life. That seems to be the idea. Of course, once we've sinned, we're dead, and then there's got to be forgiveness to have life once again. And so death is a separation. When we die, our body is separated from our spirit. That's what happens. And physical death is that way, but spiritual death is a little bit different. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Surely die. And so if you think about this, God's given the law to man. And it's a law about sin. It's a law about doing right and righteousness. And man can keep this law or he cannot keep it. It's up to you to make those choices and decisions. But by breaking the law of God, we commit sin. 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 says that sin is the transgression of the law. And so he gives Adam and Eve a law. He gives mankind a law. And here's the law I want you to live by. But if you break the law, he says you'll surely die. Now, Genesis 3, verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man is to become of one of us to know good and evil. Now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Man chose not to keep God's law. And they committed sin by trespassing against God's law. God said, Don't eat it. Eve took it and ate it. She gave her husband Adam. They both ate it. And it's very clear and plain case they broke God's law. Now, just from reading... The day thou eatest thereof, you'll surely die. We would expect them to take a bite and then choke and fall down dead, immediately dead. That didn't happen, did it? They ate it and their eyes were open. They knew good and evil. They realized things had changed and what they had done. And God looks at them and says, this, this can't be. Man's in sin. He's broken the law. And he goes on to say this in verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. God drove him out. Get out of here. So he drove out the man he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned the way to keep the way of the tree of life. He said, you're not going to get in here to the tree of life. Not in sin. Not going to allow it. And so God drove him out and he separated him. He separated man from God. So death's a separation. Adam and Eve were separated from God by their sins. 
Separation from God is spiritual death. That's what it is. Physical death is a separation of body and spirit. Spiritual death is a separation of people from God because of sin. So there's a physical death, there's a spiritual death. Did you know there are only two conditions in which God will accept you or me or anyone? There's only two conditions. The first one is innocence. And that's how we're all born. I guess little Zealand's the youngest person here. He's, he's innocent, isn't he? He's innocent. He's a baby. And God accepts babies. He accepts the innocent. Jesus said, suffer little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. God accepts innocence. But in time, as long as we live... We grow, and little Zealand will grow too, and someday we're going to commit sin. And, and sin separates from God. You, you have to accept that. Sin separates people from God. And when we commit sin, we're no longer innocent. And the second condition that God accepts is righteousness. And if we're no longer innocent, but we're in sin, we're not righteous. You cannot be. And the only way to be righteous is for God to forgive us and to cleanse us from our sin. You know, Jesus said, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, want to know why God don't know a lot of people? They're dead. Dead in sin. And God's holy. He's not going to come into contact with sin. God is holy. And God will not have a relationship with you while you are in sin. He just won't do it. He can't. He's holy. And he's righteous. And the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And I think a lot of times we use this in the physical sense, and I suppose that's true, but it's also true in the spiritual sense. It's true in both senses. Death has passed upon all, for that all sin. And everyone who's here today who has reached a point where they're accountable to God has committed sin. We've all done it. We've all been separated from God. We've all went from innocence to dead. Dead. So here's God and here's you. And you're born in innocence and in righteousness. And God will accept that. God will accept us and have a relationship with us. And we can dwell with him. But Adam and Eve sinned, so he drove them out of the garden. When we commit sin, it separates from God. And God's holy. He can't come into contact with sin. He's not going to do it. Leviticus 19, verse 1. The Lord spake to Moses, said, Speaking of the children of the congregation of the children of Israel and say of them ye shall be holy for the Lord your God is holy again Revelation 21 verse 27 there shall in no wise enter anything that defileth this is heaven nothing's going to enter heaven that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination nor maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life God's holy he's holy And he's not going to have a relationship with people that are in sin. He can't do it. 
And so if we live in sin, then there's spiritual death. We're separated from God and you can't have a relationship with him because he won't accept that until there's forgiveness. Until the blood of Jesus cleanses and covers that sin and pays the debt for your sin. And then once there's forgiveness, then you're righteous. And you can then have a relationship with Jesus. You can can have a relationship with God. And that's a law of spiritual life and spiritual death. Now then I want to move on to John chapter 3. And I want to begin in verse 1. Beverage, would you get me a bottle of water? Do we have a bottle of water? Thank you, brother. John 3, beginning in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Now, the Pharisees were very religious people. They were very well studied. They were, in a sense, in a lot of ways, the leaders of religion in Israel. So, this, this man is an intelligent man. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Thank you, brother. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he said, I know something's different about you because we've seen the miracles that you do. And the miracles that you have done have convinced me that God's got to be with you. You've come from God. Now, it's interesting that Nicodemus makes such a statement. He goes and makes this statement to Jesus. Jesus didn't say, Nicodemus, make a confession. Nicodemus just comes to him. He sits down. He says, look, I've seen you. I know what you do. I know you've got to come from God. That's what he says. And here's what Jesus says. Verily, verily. I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus having this conversation, Nicodemus, we got a whole lot bigger fish to fry. Something way more important we need to talk about. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you something, when Jesus comes to you, And says, unless this happens, you will not enter the kingdom of God. You take it to the bank. That's the way it is. And old Nicodemus, religious man that he is, just thanks flesh. It's hard not to. Flesh. Physical life. How can a man be born when he is old? Flesh. Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus talking to a spiritual man about spiritual things. All he can think about is flesh, flesh. How do you, how do we, it's impossible. And Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I want you to think about the words of Jesus. If this doesn't happen, nobody's going to enter the kingdom. Of God. Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, I'm not talking about flesh. Brother, I'm talking about spirit. And he's talking about spiritual life. And then he goes on to say, Marvel not at this. Don't sit here and wonder about this, Nicodemus. You must be born again. 
The wind bloweth where it listed, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so he tells Nicodemus, look, Spirit does what Spirit does. And Zane talked about this, was it seven or eight weeks ago? We feel the influences of the Spirit. We don't see it. You don't see the wind. We feel the influence of the wind. You walk outside and the wind blows your hat off your head. You feel the influence of it. You don't see it. That's the Spirit. And so Jesus tells Nicodemus, you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. And if you're not born of water and the Spirit, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. Now we're going to fast forward just a little bit to the book of Acts, chapter 2, after Jesus has died and been buried and rose again. And he tells his disciples that they're going to wait and they're going to preach and teach in Jerusalem. And this happens on the day of Pentecost. And so Peter gets up and he preaches about Jesus. In fact, he preaches the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus to these people. And eventually he says to them, you are guilty of killing Jesus. And what he's saying is you're in sin. You're in sin. You're spiritually dead and you're separated from God. And you need to have forgiveness in order to have a relationship with God. It's what he's saying. Peter said to them, repent. Repent. Change your minds. Change how you've looked at this. Change what you've thought about Jesus and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And I want you to notice what he says, and ye shall receive the gift. Here's what I want you to do. Repent and be baptized and you're going to get a gift. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Ghost, same as the Holy Spirit, right? Same thing. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. What for? For the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So it's what Jesus, it's what Peter is telling them to do. This is the message of our Lord. Now I want to go to the book of John, chapter 1, <clears throat> beginning in verse 10. Speaking about Jesus, he was in the world. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own. And his own received him not. But as many as receive him. To them. Gave he power. To become the sons of God. Now I'm going to read it again. I think it's a really important passage. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. He came to the Jews, his people, and they received him not. In fact, they rejected him, and they mocked him, and they killed him. Verse 12, but as many as receive him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now I'm just going to tell you, a lot of people say, see, we're at, right there, salvation. That's how you're saved. Well, let's read the next verse. 13, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And this is the birth of, that Jesus is describing to Nicodemus. 
You've got to be born again. You've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. And he gives power to become the sons of God to those that believe. He gives them that power and that ability. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit under the unfeigned love of the brethren, see then that ye love one another with pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. And so we've got mankind, you and me, and we're dead in sin. I mean, you live and die in innocence as a child, or you, and you go to God, or you become accountable to God, and you're dead in sin. And then you go to learning about Jesus. And this is exactly what Peter and the apostles told people to do. You need to repent and be baptized. They heard, they believed, they repented. I believe they confessed the name of Jesus. And then they're baptized. And this sin that separates a person in spiritual death, baptism's for the remission of that sin. And we're buried with Christ. And that's the death of the man of sin. That's the doing away with that. And that's when we are forgiven. I believe that's when we contact the blood of Jesus. And then we come up out of that water. And I want to talk to you about being born again. Born of water in the spirit. A birth, it means to bring forth. Bring forth. And we all understand. How many women are here are mothers? We understand that. Birth is to bring a child forth. To be born is to be brought into life by birth. And so this man has been down under this water and he comes forth. He's born. Of water and spirit. And that is the point where we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And there's a parallel right here to Adam. God having formed him on the ground. God's looking at him. He's not alive and he breathes into him the breath. He gives him life. He becomes alive. And this is the point where we're given spiritual life. When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because it's a gift of spiritual life. We're born again. Not like the first time. This is different. It's spiritual. It's a new birth. It's a spiritual birth. And then we come up out of that water and we're raised to walk in newness of life. A new life. You have a life in you that is from the Spirit of God. It is what we would call the Christian life. Spiritual life. Because the sin has been paid for. That debt's, sin's gone and now you're righteous. Because you're no longer in sin. And this man of sin has been put to death. He's been buried in this water. And you come up out of that water to walk in newness of life. You're born into the family of God. You're adopted by God. You want to know, people probably wonder. You want to know why we call each other brother? Because we're part of the family of God. We're part of the same family. I have, I'm sure people in the world have no idea. What weird, weird religious people call each other brother. 
It's because we're part of the same family. We got the same father. Romans 6, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now I'll tell you there's a lot of parallels Within the pages of the Bible in Matthew 13, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and becometh thou to me. Then Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Now you're familiar. Here's John in the Jordan River baptizing. Here comes Jesus along the way. He says, hey, I need to be baptized. They had a little bit of an argument about that, but ultimately Jesus is baptized. By John in the Jordan River. And guess what? When he was baptized, he went straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. This is my Son. And Jesus comes out of that water. It's undeniable. The Spirit descended on him. And God said it. This is my son. I'm going to tell you something. If you're born of the water and the Spirit, you are God's child. God's. It is no different than when a baby's born and we hold it and love it because it's ours. We're gods. We're no longer dead. No longer lost. But alive. Book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to have a number of passages here. If you want to get out your Bible. And turn to the book of Romans 8. If you're born again. You're in Christ. If you're born again, your sins are washed away. If you're born again, you are righteous. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We need to embrace it. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now listen, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Listen, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You've got to be born again and alive 
with spiritual life in Christ. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. The Spirit of God can't dwell in you unless you're born in you. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. It's very simple. When you come up out of this water, you break this water, you're born. A new being. A Christian. God claims you. He knows you. Just surely as a mother knows a baby. And we have spiritual life. We're born of the water and the spirit. That's when we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to notice verse 11. Because I think it's a really important verse. Listen carefully. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Dwell in you. The the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead can be in you today. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that means made alive, your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again into fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if... Children then heirs, heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Romans 8 teaches us emphatically that when you become a child of God, God's spirit dwells in you. It's the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead and gave him life. That spirit's in you. And you're alive. And that, my friends, is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It's different than the spirit of life. Because you have more than one spirit in you. Okay, let's move on. So we've talked about the spirit of physical life and the spirit of spiritual life. We could talk about evil spirits and all those kind of other things. We just don't have time to do that. But I want to specifically talk about the indwelling of this Holy Spirit. Once you become a Christian, the Spirit of God's in you. How does that work? Well, I would submit to you, go back and listen to the previous seven sermons. (laughs) That's how all that works. It's deep and it's broad and it's wide and it's important. All those sermons that we've heard and talked about how those spiritual things worked are very important. I, I certainly, it's not my job to, to go back over all that. But there's a couple things I want you to notice. Once you come up out of that water and the Spirit of God's in you, you've got a lot of living to do. And I want to tell you something. At that point, the devil hadn't given up on you. He wants you to die. He, the thief came to steal and kill and destroy. And so now he goes to work in in temptations and trials and heartaches and all those kinds of things. And he just puts a whooping on us. And he's like a roaring lion. He walks about seeming who he may devour. And I'm going to tell you something. A spiritual life is not much different than a physical life in a sense. You have to take care of yourself. Jonathan, you have to eat. 
You, you can't just say, I'm just not going to eat anymore. You won't live long, brother. There's things that your physical life is, requires. And, and you have to feed it. You have to take care of it. You have to clothe it. All those kind. You under, if, if somebody here said, I'm not going to sleep again. I'm not going to waste my time on it. You're not going to live long. You've got to have sleep. Spiritual life is the same thing. There's things we've got to do for our spirit to keep it alive, to keep it going, to keep it strong. It's got to be fed and nourished and so on and so forth. And the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Well, the first question people seem to have is, once I have the Holy Spirit, do I lose it? Can I lose it? I'm going to tell you, I think the natural answer is yes. And I'm going to tell you why. Because of parallels within the scripture. Can you lose your physical spirit? Yep. You step out in front of a bus, you'll lose it. It'll go away. One sin does not make one lost. It, one sin does not make a person to where they no longer have the Spirit. It doesn't work that way. Part of this has to do with the effort that we put into this. The dedication we have as a Christian to walk in the light. If I understand this, if I understand it, you've got to live a life for Jesus. Live for Jesus. And there's a whole lot of things that go with that. I just can't cover them all, but a lot of them are basic. Read your Bible. Study the Word of God. Pray. Try to do the things God has asked you to do. Deny yourself. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff, very basic and very general, that we need to do that works with the Spirit. That Spirit, it works within us, just like our physical spirit works within our physical body. They work very similar. You have a guilty conscience. That's good. That's the Spirit of God saying, you shouldn't have done that. Listen to that. And, and follow God. And once in a while, we're going to goof up. That doesn't mean we're not walking in the light. From my understanding, when we quit walking in the light, we quit trying to be a Christian. And I want to tell you, that's a serious thing, folks. We quit worshiping God. We quit reading our Bible. We quit, quit communing. I mean, those, those are very serious things. Walking in the light is living a Christian life. That's a way to put that in general. And if we'll walk in the light, if we'll try to live the Christian life, the blood of Jesus is going to cleanse us from sin. It's not a license to go sin and do anything you want to do. It's not that. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary one to another. We're still in flesh. We're still in a physical body. There's a battle to be waged here. And there's a life to be lived in which we nurture our spirit. And we grow our spirit. And we give things to the spirit that are going to help it to be strong. We do the things in life that are going to help our spirit to be strong. We yield to the flesh. You begin to yield to the flesh. And you yield, and you yield, and you yield, and your spirit's going to get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And the flesh is going to have a lot more control, 
more influence, more power. These things are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would, but if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we've got to live the Christian life. You've got to put effort to that. If we really repent, we'll do that. John 6, verse 53. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. I want to tell you folks, coming here and taking communion is a very important thing. It's important to our spiritual well-being, our spiritual health. It's a weekly reminder That there was a price paid so that you can be born again. There is a price paid so that you can have forgiveness of sins. It costs something for you to be free from sin and death and be a part of Christ. And this is a weekly reminder. Live the Christian life. Walk the walk. And do what the Lord has asked you to do. John chapter 4 verse 23. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Listen carefully for the Father seeketh such. God, That's what God's looking for people. God is looking for true worshipers who will worship him. Who will follow him. You know what that makes me want to do? That makes me want to be here every Sunday, every Sunday afternoon, and every Wednesday. That makes me want to go to every gospel meeting around. I want God to know. I want Him to see that I'm a worshiper of Him. That makes me want to come here and not think about the football game or the ball game or any other thing. It makes me want to dwell on God and praise God with all my heart. Because I want Him to know that's what He's looking for. True worshipers that worship from the Spirit. Because guess what? God's a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. Jude, verses 18 and 19. He says, How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves. Sensual. Having not spirit. So I'm going to tell you something. If you go out and live in sin, you don't worship God. You don't read and study your Bible. You don't walk the walk. You don't try. The spirit, it's gone. It'll leave you. It'll die. It's got to be nourished and it's got to be fed. Just like our physical bodies have got to be nourished and fed or the spirit will leave. These folks here in Jude, they turn to the flesh. They followed the flesh. They served the flesh and spiritually they died. Now I'll tell you, I, we, I see people all the time. And people blow smoke at me, you wouldn't believe it. People who hadn't gone to church in years and years, who don't read and study their Bible, who don't try to live a Christian life, I go up and say, how are you doing spiritually? Doing great. Doing great. Can't, it can't be. It's impossible. It doesn't work that way. You can't go out and live after the lust of the world and be a Christian. It won't work. And there's an example that's plain and simple and easy. Luke 22, 3, then Satan entered into Judas. What did Judas see? He saw Jesus walk on the water. 
He saw him feed the multitude. He, he saw all of it. And he believed in him and he followed him and he worked with him. And guess what? Jesus gave Judas power over unclean spirits, which is a whole other category we haven't talked about. He had power over them. And guess what? He was greedy. And instead of walking in the spirit, he walked in that lust of greed, 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 money, 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 money. And it led him away until a point that the spirit had no power over him, but Satan had influence in his life. And he directed him to do what? Go out and hang yourself. <clears throat> Acts five twenty seven. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. That's what God does. Obey God. Follow and serve the Lord. You need to be born again and follow and serve the Lord. And he'll give the Holy Spirit to you. Continue to obey him. Now I want you to notice the next verse. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart. No. Not going to serve him. Don't want to follow him. But you can't have the Spirit then. Let's wind this up. <clears throat> Acts 2 and 38. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. John 6 and 63, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. I'm going to tell you, the Spirit's broad and it's deep. It's wide. The words that you read from your Bible are spirit and they're life. Feed on them. The gift of the Holy Spirit is given to those that obey God. Those who follow him. We got to walk in the light. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit under the unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervingly, being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God. Which liveth and abideth forever. Certainly the Holy Spirit dwells in us through the word of God. Because the, the spirit and the word are the same. They're one. 
the words that I speak, their spirit and their life. Maybe you're here today. You've never been baptized for the remission of your sins. Maybe you're here today and you've never been born again. That's the most important thing you could do. It's the best choice you could make today. Or you want to talk about amazing things, miraculous things. I'll tell you about one. Someone who's dead can walk up here into this water. Someone who's dead can go down into this water and come up born again and alive with the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I'll tell you, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Maybe you're here today and your spiritual life has not been taken care of. Maybe you've neglected it. Maybe your spirit's dwindled, been crushed. Well, you can change that today. You can, God will help you. God will bless you. That's why we meet here. I want to go to heaven. That's what I want you to do. It would be a shame to have your sins washed away and then lose your soul. Because the devil works hard. I know he, he works on me. I know he works on you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.